Hello and welcome to What We've Learned. My name is Steve Kemish, but I'm joined by Shane Redding. Hello, Shane. Hello, Steve. Hey, you sound a bit echoey. It sounds like we're in a departure lounge rather than a podcast studio, Shane. Tell the dear yeah. listeners where we're going today. Packed, ready, passport, suitcase giant, packed. Giant bar of chocolate from WH Smith, all the essentials for an airport trip. Where are we travelling to? Well, we're travelling via the digital airwaves to talk to the lovely Euraj CM, who is in Mauritius. So we're off to the sunny isle of Mauritius because he is e-sales and product manager uh, for Air Mauritius. He is. He's many other things as well, as I'm sure you're about to find out. I'm slightly deflated. I might just put my, my factor 30 away, Shane. I thought we might be actually getting on an aeroplane, but even better. We've made the world smaller by taking a podcast and all of our equipment and all of our questions to you, Vraj. And as you're about to hear, a fascinating man with lots and lots of really interesting tales to tell and some brilliant life lessons and learnings for us all. So I'm so excited in this episode uh, to welcome Yuvraj CM all the way from Mauritius, uh, courtesy of the wonderful digital recording technologies that we have. And a very interesting story to tell us, I think, both from a very personal perspective, but also because Yuvraj is in one of the industries that perhaps has been affected the most this year, and that's the airline industry. Um, so welcome. Hello, good evening, good morning, or good afternoon to everyone who is listening to this podcast. I am Yuvraj Siam from the beautiful island of Mauritius, which is found in the Indian Ocean next to Madagascar, a very beautiful island indeed. Mark Twain used to say that Mauritius was created first. Then God said, oh, I'm going to create paradise based on Mauritius now. So you've made us all transported us to your lovely island. Um, but tell us about how you started in your career. I mean, and what got you into the whole world of digital marketing? So I started my schooling uh, in secondary when I ended in 1985. I wanted to become a system analyst or a computer professional. And at that time, the PC was not yet invented. But I started using computers with Amstrad or Commodore C64. Then I moved to Amstrad and afterwards in 1988-1990, we had the PC that is IBM compatible. So I was always passionate. Then I always wanted to become an IT professional, which at the end I I became in 1998, I joined Air Mauritius, the national carrier of Mauritius as an IT professional. My profile was very much to train people, to move people from a dump terminal to a Windows network environment, and then to make them work in a new uh, mindset of sharing data on network drive and office automation. Then after 10 years working in IT, I decided to continue my learning in 
Masters in Business Administration with Harriet Watt University. And then I decided to move into the business part of Air Mauritius. So I moved to loyalty marketing. So I discovered marketing at that time in practice. And then afterwards, I discovered digital marketing while I was practicing, learning, serving customers. Then we saw all around the world, e-commerce was emerging. And Mauritius decided to invest in e-commerce by engaging a consultant. Then in, in uh, 2012, we created the first uh, e-commerce department or section, which became part of the commercial unit. And I was one of the managers joining in as e-sales and product manager. So my job was to drive traffic to that website, to increase the sales, to develop the online sales of Air Mauritius, which we did within a couple, within a period of eight years, we moved it from 2% to 10%. So that was a, a, a great achievement for Emirates itself, penetrating the online uh, medium now to sell on, on online channel. So I say to myself, uh, I need to bring some structure in my learning about digital marketing, about e-commerce and everything that has to do with online sales and marketing. So I decided to look for school. And while my first boy completed his graduate degree from Curtin Australia in management marketing, I said, now it's time to build a layer of digital marketing. Then my research took me to IDM, that is Institute of Direct and Digital Marketing at the time. And then I met wonderful people like Shane and Steve and Mike and others who were from industry practitioners from UK. And we are go-getters. My son and myself, we go and get some knowledge where it is. So we flew from Mauritius to UK and we were enrolled to this course. We completed our professional diploma in 2017. And then in 2018, 18, we completed our postgraduate diploma in digital marketing. As such, I believe we are a few, among the few on the island of Mauritius to have this qualification right now. And I think perhaps the few father and son um, uh, combination that Steve and I have had the pleasure to absolutely. teach. Is that right, Steve? Well, yeah, not just on Russia, Shane, but on the whole planet, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And it's very memorable, Yuvraj. It was a... I've, I had the privilege of teaching um, that uh, degree level qualification for 10 years and, and both of the two of you stood out, not just because of the uniqueness of the journey, uh, hopefully with Air Mauritius helping you get over there um, rather than any other airline, but the, the fact that you both, as you said, go get as you describe it, but passionate, passionate about uh, learning and, and, improve, and continually improving and what you've just described there and that that career history as well it shows that for me quite an interesting evolution because I, I imagine that, that that IT professional and that the analyst background must have served you very well when it came to that e-commerce role of understanding 
the, the technology that IT entails, but also because you've then added on that marketing experience, it sets you up well, I guess, for a really good uh, translator position between those quite different areas of an organization. Indeed. Indeed, because uh, when you start working in a environment, in a corporate environment, you start learning about the, the actual structure of the company. And then if you are alert enough, you're going to learn many things. What I started doing when I was starting my career at Mauritius, I was not looking only at my job at the time, but I was also carving a vision of myself in five years where I want to be, in 10 years where I want to be. And then I always ask question, why this user is uh, working on this data or this application or this system? Why Emeritus has invested in uh, Oracle ERP or a CRM? So I always wanted to understand from the business perspective. So I was always very curious. And I think my curiosity uh, coupled with my passion and my vision of achieving things in a determined uh, plan uh, helped me to move and to continuously progress. And I describe myself as a lifelong learner. Yeah, and I, I think that attitude, sorry, Steve, no, is, is comes through in terms of what you're saying, learning now and having that vision of, if you like, reskilling, which perhaps for some people, they haven't always thought like that, Raj. And, you've, you know, it comes across really clearly that you've realised the world changes and you need to change perhaps ahead of it. And I know you're continuing to learn now. So what are the things you feel that... Um, you're investing your time in learning that are going to pay back over the next five years. What are the new skills you're learning? Yeah, thank you for this very interesting question, Shane. Uh, right now, I'm learning how machine learning and artificial intelligence are being infused at different decision-making process and systems that are being used across organizations, especially when it comes to sales, marketing, customer experience, customer engagement. And I see a lot of potential for organizations in this area. That's how I say to myself that the next five years or next coming one, two, three, up to five years or more, more and more AI and machine learning will be infused and integrated in all applications that are being used in organizations. And especially that little by little, all systems are being moved to to cloud computing now, which gives an enormous power of storage and processing, and it becomes seamless, like the SAAS, that is service or software as a service. It, it allows small companies, medium companies, and even bigger companies to get access to it. In my quest and cook, curiosity and passion, I came across some very interesting companies like 
Blue Shift, they have developed a customer data platform hub, but it is a new generation, a completely new approach to customer data platform. They already have a couple of machine learning models that they have built in the platform, which gets you like the capability, take, it gets the capability to, to the actual sales and marketeer uh, to have the possibility to know like, uh, things like, I'm sorry, things like the next, next best action that would come from that customer or uh, a recommendation engine which is already built so that we can better engage and drive that customer down to uh, in the sales funnel and sell to that customer. Or for the sales enablement, it is going to get them a lead scoring and it gets them clear idea of where to concentrate and put the energy to which leads that is to qualify them eventually for sales. So I can see that coming and this is where I'm investing my time. Then another area which I see is going to be very much trendy and in demand is data literacy, data analytics, data visualization. As an end, machine learning, AI, all this is going to converge to data analytics. But what I see is uh, more and more organization needs to completely revamp themselves in terms of organizational culture, bringing data literacy culture at all levels, starting from the CEO, the C-suite, the managerial level, and the operational level. So if we are able to, to bring a data literacy culture, this, it is only then that you can harness data analytics and create a true insight-driven organization. And that is going to ensure that these organizations are going to remain competitive in a hyper-competitive world, which is being challenged every day every week by disruptors. So I see that. It's fascinating. I could listen to you all day. It's, uh, it's, it reminds me, because we haven't seen each other for a while, but it, I sometimes wondered back from our IDM days, who was the tutor and who was the student? Because, you, you know, you, you're, you're almost a, a futurologist, Yuvraj, in terms of what you've said there is bang on in terms of is the way a lot of organisations, as you've said, a lot of sizes are going to have this a need and an opportunity to wed data and technology together so that whether it's AI or machine learning based or it's just harnessing big data, it's going to be scalable that rather than just the big, big companies that can afford this at the moment, it will be open up to many other organisations, which only serves all of us well, and particularly people like you that are ahead of it in terms of your learning and understanding. Um, but I want to ask a slightly different question. I just want to rewind on something you said around the e-commerce, because I'm not sure if you're aware of this in Mauritius, but <clears throat> excuse me, certainly in, in Europe, e-commerce, because of the uh, pandemic of 2020, particularly in markets um, that wouldn't traditionally sell online, uh, and I'm thinking mainly business to business markets, but not exclusively, e-commerce has become a much, much more popular area for markets that may not have previously thought about it. Um, and I wonder what your learnings were for back in that time of launching 
the e-commerce business because I'm sure it's very transferable to any organization. Now, what were the, the kind of key challenges and the key wins for you is my first question. And, and secondly, um, did you find that Emirates, by doing the e-commerce, were just simply moving customers that they would have already had to be more efficient, so through perhaps uh, telephone or, or desk sales, or did it grow as well as kind of move those customers for you by just simply bringing e-commerce into the mix? Yeah, thank you, Steve. Um, and thank you for the appreciation on the previous remark that I had on data analytics, AI, machine learning. So uh, first part of your observation, uh, Mauritius also uh, uh, experienced a growing need for e-commerce. Uh, we were all locked down, just like you. We were fortunate to be locked down for three months almost then. Uh, we have been uh, now open and we are circulating, moving freely. So Mauritius is COVID-free in community. Uh, so, um, uh, but during lockdown, uh, the authorities encouraged uh, uh, suppliers and the whole value chain to be able to supply the population by implementing very quickly the online mode of purchasing, which they did. Maybe they were not all ready, but they tried hard and they came with the idea of, uh, uh, we are going to uh, deliver it to you. You just make your order, but you pay us on delivery. So that, uh, that uh, helped them to implement the e-commerce part very quickly. And until the time that they are going to uh, apply the uh, online payment part. So we were all affected and many people discovered e-commerce at uh, all of a sudden, even uh, all people of different uh, generations now, and like the baby boomers or the Gen X or the Gen Y. So that so they got around the problem by being able to pay the delivery person. You didn't have to have the pay online. I think that's amazing. Yeah, and so when the salesperson or the delivery van comes to you, so then you pay because they already have a POS, a mobile one. So they resolve that problem in the context of Mauritius. So that was first observation we had uh, and how we uh, adapted to the new normal, as you see. Now coming to your first question, Steve, on e-commerce. So yes, e-commerce in Mauritius, is developing. Uh, since two years, we see more and more shops are online now, and they are encouraging more people to purchase online. So that means there is a behavior of customer which is evolving also. And I see more and more visibility of MasterCard, Visa, PayPal, Alipay, AliExpress, or Union Pay in the country. So this is one observation. As for Air Mauritius, as Air Mauritius is concerned, we can say that because we are operating not in Mauritius only and selling in Mauritius, but all around the world, including the 22 destinations that we fly to. So we have been on the forefront of e-commerce here in on the island. And very much on the forefront of every technology which helps us to sell better. So yes, 
we have shifted some people from traditional channel to this new channel over time, e-commerce. Then we have a, a considerable uh, number of diaspora Mauritians living in UK or in France or in Germany and Italy. So these people were used to buy from us, but now they find the convenience of buying by staying home or anywhere, anytime. So that was one audience. Then we also uh, created new users, new customers who discovered us through the destination Mauritius because we sell the destination Mauritius. And then we say, fly direct to Mauritius. And as soon as you get on the plane of Air Mauritius, you can already feel the hospitality or the warm hospitality of Mauritians by the music that we play, by the color of the interior design of the airline, by the livery, by every amenities that we have set there, by the smile of the steward and the air hostess to get you in. So we leverage on that part to capture new customers. So this is how we were able to penetrate more and more different markets where we were uh, operating. Like in Singapore, we were able to reach 45% of our sales through e-commerce through online now compared to the traditional distribution channel. In Australia, we were able to push it up to 16%. In a nearby island, which is called Reunion Island, which is a dependent of French, here we were able to push it up to 28%. So we saw a lot of potential there. And I am also a seasoned speaker at World Aviation Festival and Digital Travel Summit, Eye for Travel, and all these exposure for me with my peers in Europe, in Asia, and even Americas, gets me to understand the trend technology that could be used to enhance further. That's how I brought sales cycle, a card abandonment program, which we use to capture people visiting, but not yet decided on the purchase journey. We get them back to the uh, website. Then I also uh, uh, discovered and brought Skyscanner, uh, like the Meta Search and Kayak by meeting them at conferences and nurturing that relationship and eventually partnering with them. Then I brought Criteo which is a, a dynamic banner ad company. So we continue to uh, build the capability by bringing uh, tools which could help us to grow that channel and to reach our yearly goals and eventual, eventually the long-term goals. So this is how we grew e-commerce. So like you, you Raj, I'm a great fan of traveling to learn more. Um, I always learn things when I go to different countries and different communities and different business environments. I'm really fascinated now you can't get on the plane and come and speak at one of these conferences. It's not quite the same when you're doing a digital event. How are you continuing to innovate? Where are you finding those new ideas to bring back both for Air Mauritius, but also for your own consulting business, where are you getting those innovation ideas from? 
So right now, Shane, I'm speaking to like-minded people like Steve and yourself. So this gives me like a motivation to understand and I learn from you people. I am a regular speaker uh, in webinars with Ball State University uh, with Professor uh, Deva Rangarajan, who is a sales and marketing professor. So he challenges me with very trendy subject like big data in airlines, like modern sales powered by data analytics, machine learning, and artificial intelligence, or the inside driven organization. So all these subjects pushes me to go and learn more. Where do I learn now? On white papers on webinars. I'm uh, a great fan of webinars. I'm on almost many webinars each week. And uh, most of the conferences that we used to attend, like the World Aviation Festival, used to happen physically in September. So this year, exceptionally, it was a virtual one. The, the, the Asia-Pacific version of Aviation Festival in 2020 uh, was virtual. I was a speaker, but from home. So it forces me to go and learn. And I am always trying to understand what Japan Airlines is doing, what British Airways is doing, what KLM is doing, what United or Southwest or WestJet or Air Canada, how they have launched recently, revamped their aeroplan. So uh, it, it, I'm learning from my peers in the industry. And, and through the webinars or through conferences that we still attend while it is being done in a new mode now, I was part of Outperform, a company called uh, Pros. They are like the expert in revenue management and in the new NDC, that is the new distribution capability solution uh, for airline ancillary sales. So I go in these uh, ecosystem, in these medium, in these places to resource myself and to keep learning. And another way I am learning today is I discover uh, interesting reports from Deloitte from Gartner, from Forrester, where I discover that there is a company which has emerged recently called Data Robots. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to recommend you and Steve to look at what they are doing. While what they have done is they have already prepared a set of machine learning models and they have brought the concept of AutoML, that is automated machine learning, which saves a lot of time of data scientists. Now, you don't need to have a lot of data scientists or even four or five data scientists on board, just one will do. So this tool like Data Robot is going to help you to build models of, it accelerates actually the building of machine learning models, which normally takes six months. It accelerates it to bring it to two weeks. So now you have the capability to roll out machine learning models very quickly in the actual functioning of your business and infusing AI now in the decision-making process. Wow, 
But I've just been looking at datarobot.com whilst you've been talking, Yuvraj, and I'm sure it won't just be Shane and I that will be looking at it. It's everyone that's listening as well. It, it's, a, again, a, a really good example of, as I said, when I said about your translator role, it's the problem often with industries like marketing is technology can be put in by technologists who don't really understand uh, marketing or, or business what you've got and you, you you articulate really well is the understanding of it's not is, is t technology second but how can technology enable um, to do things whether it's e-commerce whether it's marketing activity to grow a business whatever it may be that that's the thread that runs through that those two those two pillars um, it, it feels like the elephant in the room you've Raj, we should probably talk about at this stage is you know you've, you've talked a bit about um, what you're learning and it sounds a bit about like what you're doing for the year ahead but I'm sure well certainly Shane and I and I'm sure anyone listening in would be really interested to hear from you on how's it been over the last year and how's the outlook looking for, for you for Air Mauritius for the industry as well in terms of what are the the good and the bad that that may well come out in in the near future from from what's been happening for us all. Yeah, in fact, it has been a very challenging time, uh, Steve and Shane, for the whole travel industry um, uh, since uh, almost, um, we can say, uh, seven months now, since uh, March. Uh, so uh, uh, Mauritius is not an exception, and Mauritius is not an exception. I can see all my, I've seen a lot of my friends whom I met in conferences losing their job or being challenged to go on part-time. And uh, myself, uh, I am on a part-time since uh, this month now. So it has been uh, 16 days now that I'm part-time. So uh, what I do uh, uh, when I saw that coming, so I get ready, I adapt myself to survive. I, I think most of us do that. It is very important. So on the industry outlook, I see that the challenge remains with very little visibility on how it will evolve. Uh, at first we had, when it was like the first phase uh, or first wave of the pandemic, we said, okay, I think we are going to get a grip on it. Then when we started to have the second wave with um, uh, European who went on vacation in Spain called very quickly to come back to the country, that was one example. And something similar happened in Asia also, in Vietnam. So uh, then people started to get very worried because they saw second wave coming and most of the, in most part of the world, uh, second wave is there now. So it, it, uh, it uh, brings uh, very little uh, visibility on what things uh, will, how things will evolve and what will happen next. So uh, uh, organizations are running out of cash. Mauritius uh, has like 15% of its GDP contribution from tourism and travel. So a lot of hotels, employees, 120,000 employees right now are affected in my country out of 700,000. That makes you around one quarter almost. So uh, it is not easy. And this is just one example of a country, I'm sure. Maldives, Seychelles, uh, Madagascar, South Africa, UK, France, Spain, Italy, 
all countries which depend somehow on travel and tourism are greatly affected. The Caribbean also are very much affected by that. Then Asia. My first boy, whom you know, uh, he 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 was one of the students we graduated. He right now he was working for a five-star villa hotel in Phuket. You would love to go there, I'm sure. But uh, he is uh, he lost his job technically. So. Uh, very quickly, because of the training, learning that we invested back in years, that has helped us. He very quickly moved to a marketing technologist job. And uh, there is a startup which uh, started operating in Pocket. They are the American and Canadian startup with European, Canadian and US customers. So right now he's working there. So it is just one example of his story. Like this, you have a lot of stories where people have been affected. How it will evolve? I think that uh, it should be like a gradual uh, opening of the sky and uh, the borders, just like Mauritius has approached. Uh, as from yesterday, we have a laboratory which is fully equipped and operational at the airport of Mauritius, uh, where we have started opening the borders of Mauritius. We call it phase two. We are operating two flights from Europe to Mauritius. And I know that my peers like KLM, uh, Air France, British Airways and others, they are gradually uh, uh, picking up and adding destination which they stopped uh, flying. So the, uh, we see, what we see is gradually airlines, authorities, airports are working together and the, the prior test or the test on arrival and test after arrival, all these protocols are helping to encourage somehow some form of travel to happen. And cargo flights are being encouraged to, to, to ensure trade and economy and finance going on, which is good for the economy to pick up. And it, it uh, is good. It's good to hear that. And I think the other thing that you've really made me sort of think about, and I think maybe you've Raj, you should be going to talk to, to your government is the need for countries that are so dependent on tourism to yes. rethink their futures. And I love the fact, you know, your personal story, uh, I think could inspire them. The fact that your son managed to, through his investment in his own digital marketing training, your investment in lifelong learning through your um, business degree, but through also your um, computing and your digital marketing as well is perhaps to help open their eyes to see, well, actually, you know, why not? Why, why couldn't Mauritius be perhaps the center of data science? And, you know, that could be a very exciting new opportunity, but perhaps your government isn't yet aware of. So it's great to hear finding the opportunities in even a challenging time and that you're seizing those. Yeah, sure, sure, Shane, you rightly said that. In fact, what I did to survive, uh, maybe Steve, we didn't have the chance to talk. Uh, I have started my own consultancy um, uh, uh, firm and uh, I'm allowed to work because I'm earning only half of what I used to, so I have to survive. I have already one customer for which I'm actually 
carving the detailed digital business transformation strategy. My, one of my idea is to bring a B2B CRM uh, program for them and revisiting their digital footprint, that is the website, the social media and, uh, and uh, everything. Another idea is to bring a social CRM where we can engage better with customers and encourage them to talk positively about their product. And because they are not uh, actually uh, uh, selling directly to customers, they are actually, they are distributing to a, a value chain that is a, a, a network of uh, 1,200 uh, uh, shops and big supermarkets in Mauritius. But at the end, the product are being sold to end customers. So I'm encouraging them to know better their end customers. So bringing crowdsourcing concept as through surveys, reaching the customer at the end, positioning each product as per the generation of customers and, and depending on their needs. And uh, um, eventually I'm going to train the workforce in basic data literacy and data analytics. I'm trying to bring a culture change. I'm trying to make them realize the power of digital, e-commerce, social, and data. So basically, this is what I'm doing. Fabulous. And, and it's, it's, um, it's funny, I was just listening to you talking about, thinking about how what you're learning and your, your curiosity, you've used that word curious quite a few times, which are exactly what I relate to is that you know you never want to stop learning and improving and you get that wisdom of crowds that you previously got from being face to face with people in all over the world with events and it, on one way the world has become a lot bigger again because we can't travel like we used to but i guess the positive of this year is that because and the three of us now are, are on a zoom call recording this the world has become smaller via a different route and that only bodes well for your consultancy that actually what you've just described there for that organization is something that not just Mauritian organizations we're going to need is, is many many organizations across the world so the opportunity perhaps for you and and individuals to do business with other people and share your learnings there and, and Shane back to your point as well that you know there is utterly no reason why Mauritius or any other part of the world that may have relied on one particular industry can't rethink and dare I say, every podcast we do, we use the word pivot, Shane, is to pivot into Oh, a new I thought place. we were going to get away without using it I this know, time. No, I'm sorry. The, the alarm's gone off for the pivot word that we always use. It just means that, you know, that again, it just, what, you, what comes across you, Viraj, from you and, and your son, but from talking to you is that if you're constantly learning, you're constantly thinking, and you can constantly rethink, reposition, re-engineer, so you can become very agile and very nimble to, to changing circumstances. Yes, very true. It is, and uh, I understand uh, that Shane uses the word unlearn, relearn, and uh, continuous learn. So agile is a word, in fact, very true, Steve and Shane. Uh, we need to be a child in, in modern world. If you're not a child, you won't find your space. It is It applies to the organization, to companies, but it also applies to employees of uh, current employees or employee of today. And it also applies to anyone who is active in an economy. We have to constantly adapt, understand, 
and and learn new things i think free skills which is very important for people to survive and to continuously uh, be useful to organization is first part is a soft part skill that is a communication skill the people skill the public speaking skill how you can conduct meeting and get the trust of people and get the attention and listening skill uh, and the second type of skill is data literacy understand uh, the concept of data dimension measures uh, and basic analytics and how you leverage on the insight that you gather to take decisions and the third uh, skill uh, i would say is to constantly uh, adapt and understand um, the processes uh, the uh, that are being used in a company the governance part of uh, the data the privacy part of the data because we talk a lot personalization so it is very important to understand this part while it is important to respect the privacy of people and to do everything in a very well set governance so uh, this is these type of skills you need to have to be able to survive and to continuously be useful to any organization. Wow, Shane, fab stuff as ever. So, so interesting to listen to, to you, Vraj, talk to us. What did you take from that? Well, I think you said it sort of halfway through the, the podcast. It's very much the pupil has become the master. Um, and I, I really admire the, the lifelong learning and the fact you know, sort of challenged me and thinking, gosh, you know, um, I'm still learning, but maybe at not quite the same pace um, as you've Raj has demonstrated there. But the big takeout for me was that piece on the data robots being able to, you know, reduce the time of your predictive modeling um, by getting the machine learning to do it. I think there's many people who will listen to this podcast and be jumping onto Google, learning more about that and thinking, how can I use it? Yeah, well, it's funny. It's not. It's not as if that's new rhetoric to hear that technology is going to help improve and speed things up. But he articulated and 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 by you know by example an actual place to go that can be practically applied now. And I like you. I think a lot of people, including myself, will be um, will be finding out more because what you've I, what I can really relate to you, Viraj, is it's a similar journey in a way for me. Is I I started from quite a technology standpoint. Uh, by chance, really, to have to learn IT and technology and, and then wed it to marketing. And he's he's done it so, so well in what he's done with uh, Mauritius and now with his consultancy and his organizations that he works with is technology is brilliant. It's so capable of improving marketing, but equally in the wrong hands for the wrong reasons. It's also very, very stifling. So some really nice stories around how to make technology work for marketing rather than technology for technology's sake. And I think the other thing that it made me really question, are we really brave enough in terms of finding talent wherever it exists, wherever in the world? Because we talk a lot about the skill shortage here in, in Europe, in the US. Um, and actually, we're perhaps just not reaching out in the way we should to find people like you, Raj, who are there and who can help us. Um, and it's so much easier to do now. So why aren't we doing more of that and help sort of make us a more diverse worldly wise team to boot 
Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think the world is a big place if you look at it in one way, but it's much, much smaller. The ability to communicate to the wisdom of crowds, which is, is a principle I'm a huge fan of. Um, we we can be, particularly maybe, dare I say, in, in our part of the world, in, in the Western world, looking the wrong direction at times, assuming that the smaller the country, the less they're going to know. Uh, and, and without question, what we've just heard there from you, Viraj, is an awful lot of value. So it, it says not only to me, and dear listener, I hope you haven't been fooled. We didn't actually get to go to Mauritius. So you may have heard at times of the few gremlins down the line as we talk to you, Viraj, all the way over there in Mauritius. But certainly, Shane, I want to go there now. And if you're listening in and thought, hey, I want to go, well, do remember that Mauritius, for the UK listener at least, is on the uh, Foreign and Commonwealth Office travel corridor. It's a country you could get on the plane to tomorrow. And I know you, Viraj, would be keen to see us, wouldn't he, Shane? He certainly would. And long may that travel co corridor be wide open um, because I can't wait. I need some sunshine. Well, we, we need some sunshine in terms of vitamin D, but we certainly got some sunshine in our lives from just listening into you, Viraj. So thank you, Shane. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. Um, any comments, please, as ever, post them out onto, onto LinkedIn. You'll find this and all the other episodes on your usual podcast platforms, uh, but you can go to WWL what we've learned, www.podcast.co.uk and you can go and pick up those episodes and catch up with any of the chat and discussion on our LinkedIn page that that takes you to. We'll bid you farewell and bon voyage indeed and we will talk to you on an episode soon.